The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, remind us this morning of just who you are and who we are. Amen. Who are you? Who, who, who? Who? Who are you? Who, who, who? Who? I heard that song this week by the rock group The Who, who was one of my favorites. Um, and I actually was going to talk about that a whole lot today, but I'm going to spare you of that. But the question that Pete Townsend asked in that question um, He'd come to a time in his life where there was a crisis in his mind and it made him rethink of all of who he was. And the question he kept asking himself and others is, who are you? Now my question to you is, who are you? Well, I can tell you who I am, I think. I'm Scott. I'm a husband, a son, a dad, a granddad. I'm a minister. I'm a dog fan. <laughs> but at the essence, who am I? Who are you? Friday I read in the devotion book that Belinda had given me a while back by Mark Nepo, and he lifted up an image that isn't exactly how I want to use it, but it works. Imagine your life is a wheel. And at the hub of the wheel is the essence of who you are. Who would you say you are at the essence of that wheel? Everything else falls out from that, flows out from that, but who are you? That's a question I want to explore today. It's been a long time since last week and the week before. The last couple weeks... We've talked about the birth of the baby Jesus and a couple of the events that happened around the baby Jesus. And I don't know if you know this, but there's not many stories at all in the Gospels about baby Jesus or growing up Jesus. And actually, Matthew and Luke are the only two Gospels that tell any stories about baby Jesus or growing up Jesus. And actually, the first story that Matthew, Mark, and Luke agree on, and John kind of is in John's own unique and kind of odd way, is the story we read today, the baptism of Jesus. Actually, that is how Mark starts his gospel when Jesus comes to get baptized. John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. He's proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And it seems that lots of folks were flocking out to hear him and to be baptized. But then he kept telling them, there's somebody else coming that's more powerful than me. I might baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus appears. He came from Nazareth in Galilee. It just kind of he appears. There's no introduction to Jesus. He just kind of shows up. This is the first we hear of Jesus in Mark's gospel. He just kind of shows up just like all these other people. And, and John goes to baptize him like he'd done all these others. But this one would be different. It says that he, when he was coming out of the water after being baptized in the river, 
said the heavens were torn apart. Now, in Matthew and Luke's telling of it, it says that the heavens opened up. Mark, though, uses the word tore up. The word is schismo, like schism, like a violent ripping apart. There's something upside down turning in, in the image that, that Mark offers up here. The heavens were torn apart. Mark uses that word torn apart one other time. And it's at Jesus' crucifixion, and it said that Jesus breathed his last. And then the very next sentence says, after he breathed his last, that the curtain in the temple was torn apart from top to bottom. There's something earth-changing, upside-down turning happening here. And Mark wants us to know that. The Spirit descends, and then a voice from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Now the question that gets asked over and over and always is, why was Jesus baptized? John comes baptizing people for uh, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, but Jesus was sinless, right? So why did Jesus come to get baptized? Well, I want to lift up a couple reasons. I think Jesus, for one, needed to be baptized. Now, why did Jesus need to be baptized? Jesus had spent, oh, roughly 30 years doing whatever it was that Jesus did, because we really don't know, because like I said, there's not stories about him. But now, as he comes to get baptized, he's making a step into something new. And indeed it would be new, because right after his baptism it says that the Spirit uh, yanked him away and took him into the desert where he was tempted for 40 days. And then right after that, he begins his ministry. It says this, it says how he begins his ministry. It says, John was arrested and Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe in the good news. And off Jesus goes. Jesus needed to be baptized because he needed that affirmation that now he was coming and he was going to begin this new thing. And as he came to be baptized, it was needed for him to hear and be reminded of what that voice of heaven said, that he is my beloved, with him I am well pleased. And then Jesus would enter into his ministry. And then there would be one other time when something like this happened. It's when Jesus went up onto the, to the mountain with three of his disciples. And while they're up there, his face was transfigured. And all of a sudden, a voice came and it said, um, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And right after that story, they go down the mountain. And Jesus begins his journey that would take him to Jerusalem, where he would finally be killed Two different times that voice from heaven comes. Both times, something Jesus needed to hear and be reminded of. He needed to be baptized. And also, we needed Jesus to be baptized. You see, there's this thought that Jesus is so utterly different than we are. Yes, he's God, but he's also human. Jesus had to eat. Jesus had to sleep. Jesus had to go to the bathroom. 
Jesus had to interact with other people. Jesus had to make choices about what he was going to do this day or that. Jesus is just like us. And in his baptism, we are reminded that Jesus is one of us. He's a human body. He is one of us and he is one with us. We needed Jesus to be baptized. But on this day that is the baptism of Jesus Sunday, we need to reflect on our own baptism. Why are we baptized? Well, I think just as Jesus needed to be baptized, we need to be baptized. Now, of course, in my growing up and how I still most often hear it, it's said that you have to be baptized in order to have your sins forgiven, and then you can go to heaven. That whole linear thinking that you got to do this or you're going to hell. So if you get baptized, then you're good with God. Boy, I've heard that my whole life. But really, that's not up to us. That's God's doing. I would rather kind of stick to how Jesus saw it. I think we need to be baptized to affirm who we are. And that is that we are loved children of God. That is the hub of our wheel. That is the essence of who we are. We are loved children of God. Now, we don't become loved children of God because we get baptized or because we're good or whatever. We are loved children of God because that's how we are born. All of us are loved children of God, period. And in our baptism, we affirm and we embrace that which has always been true about us. So we need to be baptized to embrace who we are. But then, just as Jesus, we needed Jesus to be baptized because to show that he is one with us, in our baptism, we become one with him. Because in our baptism, we affirm that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and therefore, our lives no longer belong to us. They belong to Christ. And so in our baptism, the old is taken off and the brand new starts. We live knowing that we are loved children of God. And so now you got the wheel with the hub, and everything that flows out from that hub expresses who we are as people who follow in the way of Christ. How we live our lives as a son, as a dad, as a granddad, as whatever profession we have. However we go in life, whatever we do in life, all of it is influenced because we know that we are loved children of God and we seek to live it out now as baptized people. And just as you're this little wheel over here with the hub and all the stuff coming out, this person over here, is a loved child of God, and that is their hub right here. However else they live it out, all of us are loved children of God. That's part of what we embrace in our baptism, is recognizing that all people are loved children of God. And I want to do something this morning that I hadn't going to do. Uh, let me confess, my mind is a frazzled all week. Carter and I are going to... Atlanta today for 
big thing tomorrow night. Eight o'clock ESPN if you want to watch and see how happy, see how happy your minister will be. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> was not going to do something. Then we were going to do something. And then before church started, we weren't going to do it. And then, well, now we're going to do it. Um, some of y'all were here. Many of y'all were here for our Christmas Eve service. And it's always beautiful. The sad part about it is we only do that little candle lighting thing once. So we're going to do it again. Our youth deacons, all four of them are here this morning. And they're going to go to the back. And our elder chair got them all assembled into little buckets. And everyone is going to take a candle. And as that candle is coming around, hopefully I'll be able to explain what we're going to do with it. But again, remember, my brain is even odder than normal. Uh, ben, can you put the text up there? I think in the bulletin, Kim put that the theme of our season is, uh, of this epiphany season, is to rise up. Well, let me confess, I borrowed that from a Methodist thing. I'm not using pretty much anything else except for the, the overall theme. But it's rise up, and it's based on the text that Jared read for us this morning. In that time of the season, in the life of Israel, and I preached on this during one Sunday of Advent, so I won't go over it much, but the people had returned home from Babylon and, and slavery, They'd gone home and everything was excitement because they were back home again. But when they got back home again, they realized everything had been torn apart. And not only had everything been torn apart, when they tried to rebuild, especially the temple, well, it looked pitiful. And so after a while, all the hope and excitement that the people had, well, it had gone away because life was awful again. And into that steps this third part of Isaiah. When he says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness had covered the earth for these folks because life was so hard and hopeless. All they saw was the dark. Thick darkness was covering the people. But, but, the Lord will arise upon you. His glory will appear over you. All that was dark and dead, now there will be light in God's glory. What we're going to do today is we're going to go around. We're going to see how this works. We're going to light our candles.
As we enter into this new year, there's lots of things we can say about ourselves, about who we are, what we do, and all that, but let us always remember we are loved children of God, and nothing ever will make us anything other than that. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now let's sing our hymn of invitation, which is... We